The CERT Insider Threat Center at Carnegie Mellon University has been publishing since 2005 the Common Sense Guide to Mitigating Insider Threats. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of Information Security Media Group, and I'm pleased to be speaking with two of the authors of the guide, which was recently updated. They are George Silawash and Randy Trezak. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Good to be here. Thanks, Eric. George, what's the main takeaway of the guide, and who do you see as its main audience? I think the main takeaway of the guide is that insider threats can affect many different organizations, all the way from small businesses up to enterprises or government organizations. People need to be aware of the different the different types of things that insiders may do to compromise the security of the organization's systems and data. I believe the the audience of this is basically anybody from the small business up to the enterprise level. And specifically, we target the five different groups within an organization, uh, human resources, legal, physical security, data owners, and information technology teams within the organization. But those aren't just those specific areas within the organization. The whole organization as a whole must work together to help mitigate insider threats. Can you just give a little example of what these case studies are? We've been collecting data from reported insider threats across different industries and with the uh, uh, government as well. But basically, these case studies are uh, what we build the common sense guide off of. Uh, we have over 700 case studies, and we take from our database of um, insiders, and we try to build profiles for insiders and to figure out what can be done inside an organization to help mitigate that. There's many different types of cases in there, uh, ranging from intellectual property theft to IT sabotage. The guide is in its fourth edition. What would a reader find new in the latest edition that he or she would not have found in earlier editions? We provided a number of actual um, enhancements to the uh, fourth edition of the guide. For example, we've added uh, references to other best practices, such as CERT's uh, resiliency management models, um, ISO 27002, and NIST 853. These are all other standards that organizations may be following, and this kind of supplements them. Uh, we also added some additional quick wins in high-impact solutions. These are things that we think that an organization, both for large companies and for small businesses, can implement that will quickly address some of the insider threats that may be within the organization. Can you give an example or two of those? So for uh, example, our first best practice is to consider threats from insiders and business partners in the enterprise-derived risk, risk assessments. Quick wins and high-impact solutions, one of them would be uh, for all types of organizations, you should have all employees, contractors, and trusted business partners sign the non-disclosure agreements upon hiring and termination, employment, or contracts. Large organizations have more resources, more funding, therefore their budgets may allow them to implement additional mitigation strategies, but they might be able to prohibit personal items in secure areas. For example, cell phones being taken into a call center to an insider could potentially use the capabilities on that phone to capture data off of screens. So you might want to just have employees uh, leave their phones outside of secure areas. But that might not be acceptable to all types of organizations. It all basically comes down to your risk acceptance and mitigation strategies. You talk about the non-disclosure forms. Is that in itself a deterrent you know, that people would think twice about maybe taking some information with them when they leave an organization? Or is that more for the legal protections or both? It could be for both. It could act as a deterrent. We've mostly seen it, um, at least in the cases that I've reviewed, it's mostly as a legal protection for the organization. Limiting certain devices in secure areas, is that a hard policy to implement? I mean, do you have to go more than just asking people not to do it? 
Uh, it could be because, I, I mean, given the nature of the device, I mean, they're, they're so small nowadays, it's very easy to conceal your phone in your pocket or in a bag or whatnot. It could be something that could be difficult to implement. That's kind of why we broke out the quick wins and high-impact solutions to the two different sizes of organizations, the all like all organizations from starting from small business up to enterprise and then just large organizations where they might have the budgets to implement like a like maybe a metal detector before you go into a secure area to screen employees before they enter that area to look for um, items that uh, they may have concealed. Does defending against the insider threat cost a lot of money compared to other forms of IT security? This is Randy. So in, in terms of the cost of protection strategies, certainly the insider threat problem is is a little... Uh, difficult to identify people who may be more at risk, given that these individuals are authorized access to authorized systems, and they are doing what they normally do on a day-to-day basis. So in terms of the cost of trying to prevent or detect an insider from harming a critical asset, it's really if an organization is able to determine what is anomalous behavior, particularly when you start looking at IT systems. So there are a number of tools and technologies that can determine what is baseline behavior on these IT systems. And it's up to the organizations to be able to identify what are variants from those normal activities on a day-to-day activity. Again, given that these insiders have authorized access uh, to authorized systems, uh, the challenge for the organization is to determine what's normal compared to what's abnormal and alert when those things are happening. It also comes down to the organization's risk acceptance. Depending on how much risk the organization is willing to accept could determine what solutions you implement or what strategies you implement. And each one of those may have different varying types of costs. It might be more costs associated with implementing hardware and software to help mitigate the insider threat. I think it all boils down to the organization's tolerance for risk. The latest edition describes 19 practices that the organization should implement to prevent and detect insider threats. Please describe several of these practices. Sure. One of the best practices, actually best practice number six, is to know your assets. And this is one that I'm a big fan of. Organizations have to know what they must protect. They have to know what types of systems they have. They also have to know the type of data that they're protecting. They need to know where that data lives on their systems, and they need to know what sensitivity level it is. Does it contain personally identifiable information or protected healthcare information? Those types of things. Or understanding what your data is will help you determine what types of uh, mitigation strategies you have to implement. One of the other best practices we have is best practice number 12 is to use a log correlation engine or SIM system to log, monitor, and audit employee actions. Basically, log help tell a story. No single event is going to be an indicator of an insider. You need to record as many logs as possible to help paint the picture of an insider or help paint the picture of normal network behavior or normal activity within the organization. No single event is going to tell you if that person is a malicious insider or not. So you need to have as many events as possible to help describe what is going on in the organization and what actions the employee has taken that may be indicative of an insider. One of the other ones we added here was the, uh, it's one of the new practices, is uh, best practice number 16 is to develop a formalized insider threat program. Best practice 16 basically describes how to start an insider threat program within the organization. It outlines some of the different teams that are involved. You just can't have one team that's essentially siloed from the rest of the organization. It involves individuals from across the organization, and they have to work together to determine what data points they're going to collect and what information feeds into the insider threat program to help mitigate any risks insiders within the company.
and I gather those different constituencies within your organizations uh, align with the six groups that the guide focuses on, human resources, legal, physical security data owners, information technology, and software. The guide maps the relevant groups to each practice. Can you give us an example or two of how that works? Each group has their own different responsibilities within the organization. They have different roles for preventing and detecting insider threats. For example, the data owners, they'll need to understand the data that is within the organization. They need to understand where it lives, and they also need to understand what systems are processing that data. They need to be involved in various practices identified in the uh, Common Sense Guide. How should insider threat be governed within an organization since you have six core groups here that have to deal with it? I think management ultimately needs to set a strategy for um, mitigating insider threat. They need to establish the policies and procedures, and they also need to set the example across the organization. But specifically, when you're when we're talking with uh, about an insider threat team, that's kind of more of an, an isolated group of individuals that they have to treat the incident or the potential for an incident very carefully. It has to be kept confidential as well. You want to keep the group of individuals involved within um, an insider threat program limited. The uh, insider threat team consists of people from across the organization, but the nature of their work is sensitive and needs to be kept kind of confidential, close to themselves. Any final thoughts you have? The Common Sense Guide is a great tool for organizations, both large and small, just to start thinking about mitigating insider threats and to help them determine what they need to do to help lower their risk of a potential malicious insider from uh, uh, causing harm to the organization. I think it boils down to basically risk management and understanding the risk and implementing mitigation strategies to reduce that risk. Thanks, George. Thanks, Randy. Thank you. Thank you for having us here today. I've been speaking with George Silowash and Randy Trezek of CERT about the insider threat and a guide CERT publishes about it. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Eric Chabro. Thanks for listening.